Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. On today's pod, we reluctantly review yet another defeat, this time to our rivals Tottenham, and we'll also look at any implications that might have on Graham Potter's position as head coach. Time to shuffle around some items in the freezer, ready for our regular temperature checks. We take a much needed look back in our new Chelsea nostalgia section and we look ahead to what is likely to be a fiery clash with Leeds at the bridge on Saturday. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Craig and our good friend Brady. How's it going, boys? Um, it's, it's just another day, I guess, yeah. There's a, another post-match review to, to do and, and another not very good one. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk Chelsea for a bit, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm good, Chris, mate. Uh, the only thing a bit awkward, mate. I thought we were going to change the name of the pod to uh, "Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Defeat." So I guess I, that message didn't get through. But uh... <laughs> how long have you had that saved up for? Oh, mate, I've got, that. That's, that's one of many tonight, boys. I've got it. I've got you. You have a laugh. Or, you, we're absolutely in the trenches, and you laugh or cry at this point. So uh, just try, that's try not his own material. I know that. Trying to throw a bit of comedy in there, but uh, yeah, I mean, what can we say? It gets worse every week, football-wise, but um, yeah, ready to talk Chelsea and dissect it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, Thanks. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, um, let's start at, um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, where we played on Sunday. Um, 59% possession, 10 shots to on target for Chelsea and fell to a 2-0 defeat. Um, wasn't too much to get excited about in this one. How did you see it go down, Craig? Really, really disappointing performance again. Um, I think similar to the West Ham game, we, we started the game really well, first sort of 10, 15 minutes. Sort of saw the semblance of a high press, although it looked a little disorganised, um, but at least that's what I want to see, right? Get get up the get up the pitch, and then when you mess up, so we can do corrections afterwards. At least you're seeing a style of play. But then after that, obviously, it just faded away into again just another just incredibly dull performance where nothing much happened for the whole game. And it was we've seen these games before away. You know, Nottingham Forest comes to mind immediately. Um, mm. In yeah. terms of of just yeah. the se- the second half of just nothingness occurring um newcastle away same thing you know second half just with one nil down and just nothing is happening in the game um he seems to have no ability to to change anything when it's going downhill especially in the second half of games and, and that's obviously incredibly concerning going forward um but yeah <laughs> obviously we could talk really about the game <laughs> and how and how bad it was in so many different ways for a long time. But, you know, I think we'll we'll try and skirt through it as quick as possible. What did you think, Brady? I mean, yeah, similar to you. It was kind of a B-Tech version of the West Ham performance. We were kind of... There's this initial, like, energy. I think it's concerning because in, in anything in life, there can be, like, an initial energy to kind of get going. But it's later when we're in the trenches in the second half where you need that, that push. And that comes from the manager. And the second half, we just let it drift by. We acted like it was nil-nil, I thought, or one-nil up, kind of seeing the game out, but we were losing. It was kind of a really weird performance. And I've got to talk about the team selection. I mean, I've got no idea why Hakim Ziyech started. And I don't think he knows why he's starting. I mean, no idea why he's not playing Madiweke, Mudrik. And also, you know, 
this is what I wanted to talk about a bit as well, because I know, Chris, you sort of talked a lot previously to me about this was a project, right? This is a project manager. I'm not sure exactly what defines that or why you thought that, but surely a project manager, in my opinion, would be starting players, young players that are going to be in the future. It's pretty clear that Hakim Ziyech's not going to be a Chelsea player next year. Aubameyang, not going to be a Chelsea player next year. What You have to ask, a question what makes this a project manager yeah i don't know what ZH doing on the pitch i think his crowning moment was almost getting sent off um well he was sent off for about a minute and then he came what, back what, what is graham potter doing that another manager wouldn't be doing that was maybe you know a, a higher regarded manager that makes it a project as opposed to just you know a manager trying to win games i guess that's probably more of a ownership issue than a Graham Potter issue because it's all about bringing people in right for a project based on the type of people they were from an age perspective um a lot more statistical but statistical based analysis on the type of players they're bringing in so I don't think that lies at Potter's door as a, he's not the project manager. Well, he's making the the team selections right he's making selections of players yeah, yeah but he, he's not he's not the, the project manager. He's so the project aren't... manager. That's Todd Bowley. No, but as in, sorry, he he is a manager of a of a project overseeing. This is entitled the project. You know, this is what we've heard. You know, trust the process. It's a project. We're hearing all this sort of language and sort of in, making us believe that we're looking to the future. Right. That's why we've got a manager like this. He's going to maybe play the young players. Um, you know, now everyone's fit. He's not playing the young players at all. You know, Kulabali's a. a a big age. ZX a big age. You brought a Bamiang on. He's a big age. Xiao Felix isn't going to probably be here next season, or at least, you know, there's a chance that he's not going to be here. He's on loan. So I just don't understand. You know, Ruben Loftus Cheek is playing centre midfield for us. You know, when I'm looking to the future of Chelsea, I don't see those players as the future of the club. You know, Thiago Silva started as well. He's 38. Kepa, I don't think, is going to be our goalkeeper next season. Um, you know, when I'm looking at a project, I'm looking at him thinking about the future. At least then you could excuse these results and say, look, you know, we're playing Madueke. He's 20 years old. He's come from the Dutch league. You know, that would be my opinion or my impression of what a project manager would be doing. This looks like a manager that's trying his best to get the best team out every week and trying to win, but just not being successful in doing that. I think this looks like a manager who's trying to appease everybody. I think he's trying to play everybody and try and give them minutes regardless of what's going to happen in the summer where clearly a lot of people are going to be either told to leave or sold off as best they can. I don't think he's... He, I I agree. I think if he was sort of playing all the younger players, um, there would be a lot more forgiveness around exactly, the situation. Yeah. And obviously, he hasn't always been able to do that with the injuries. He, hasn't, he didn't buy... <laughs> half of these people as well they tried to sell a few of them in january didn't didn't go their way which is not a part of fault at all in that sense either and i don't think it's about the project is owned by todd bowley that's the project that everyone's buying into and that will be overseen over a longer period of time like 10 years probably um than the, the first what well, he's been here since may so less than a year i don't think it will be judged on that considering that he hasn't i think the majority of the people there haven't been purchased for the manager that he wanted to put in place so they're still going through that process of removing people the, the issue that he's running into is that does that doesn't excuse the results and the performances 
Um, some of them, some of them fine. You can you can accept losing to some of the teams who maybe are playing a lot better than us. But Southampton at home, obviously the game on Saturday against Leeds will be a big one. Tottenham away, I don't think anyone was expecting us to win the game, but we could have played a lot better, potentially. But did anyone think we were really going to go into the game and play them off the park? Well, I think the answer to that is yes. I mean, I think you predicted 2-0 Chelsea. Um, yeah. I did. Yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> I was just but, trying to be optimistic on the podcast. And well, I, think, uh, I, th- I think a lot of people. I, we going, I think a lot of people were, went into the game thinking that we would be successful for sure. I, th- I think it was bizarre that he didn't play Mudrik and Madueke because we basically had no width. I just want to talk a little bit about the way we were attacking. I mean, under Tuchel, we were really lopsided on the right. We'd always go through Reese, and if you look at the uh, heat map from Sunday, it was the opposite. We're playing down the left, and it's like. The only thing we seem to be good at is playing in triangles. It's like Bermuda FC at the moment. It's like all they do is little like training, training triangles, pop it about, and then there's no, there's no, there's no sort of cutting edge. And like with the wing backs are not getting advanced, play pure wingers. I mean Ziyech is like half, half a, you know, half a ten, half playing on the wing. He, he bought Mount on for some unknown reason of sixty minutes, and then waited eighty minutes to make Abamyang and Mudrikon um, when we're already two 0 down. He's like. He can't affect games. So you can talk about project manager all you want. Like right now, he's making poor decisions. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's bizarre that like he, he doesn't, you know, he prioritizes Ziyech, but he doesn't play Aubameyang when we need a goal. We've got plenty of wingers. You don't need to play Hakim Ziyech. Like Fafana started, um, South, started against Southampton. Now he's out of the squad. That doesn't make any sense. Does it? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You, you touched on a few things there. One about Madueke. I mean, Madueke not getting... A single minute in that game yeah, to me is just absolutely bizarre. baffling. You know, not only because he, he he's good enough to play it, and I would rather see him play than see it, but also he's a Tottenham youth product. He moved away from Tottenham. Do you not think yeah. he was chomping at the bit to get out there and 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 prove to Spurs, look, this is what you missed out on. You didn't want to start me. I went to PSV. I made my own way. I'm at Chelsea now, and look, this is what you're missing out on. He, you know, that's what a smart manager would do. That narrative, you know, that makes sense to me. You know, Havertz with another 90 minutes. Uh, just He has no business playing 90 minutes up front for us. I just, I find that... More like why like, uh, Havertz at the moment than Kai Havertz. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also you, you touched on Reese James as well. Reese James, is, I think most fans would agree, is our best player. And and we're not yeah. using him in the areas no. of the pitch that that affect the game the most. He he did a good job on Ricarlison, you know. He played quite quite narrow and quite central and very defensive. He did a good job on Ricarlison, but you know we can't score any goals. And he's one of the m- most creative, if not the most creative, right back in world football. You know him or Trent. You know get him up the pitch and try and affect the game. Like you said, you look at the pass map of the of the game. All our play is down the left-hand side of the pitch. Felix drifted over to the left. Sterling, who, to, to be fair, was probably our best player. Yeah, um, and, and Chilwell as well. So, you know, it, they were just, like you said, passing triangles around that side of the pitch. And, you know, the other side was just used to sort of switch and then switch back. I mean, the way Spurs set up, I mean, I, I don't know if it's because Paul's under so much pressure. This was a game to play 3-4-3. We just matched Spurs because we got better players than them in that system. I think you said last week that, like, their players, bar Kane, Son and Richardson, they haven't got great players, but the system is great. So if we matched them up, I think we would have had a lot more success. But 
I don't know if he like in the second half he should have done that maybe because you know maybe with a silver injury but he just didn't affect the game he just let it drift like between fifty and uh, seventy five minutes it was just like nothing and yeah. it, was, it was just a really bizarre performance like he doesn't seem to like you look at the press conferences which we'll talk about some of his quotes later he looks like he's under pressure like you can tell he's feeling it but his actions don't say that he's a uh, really proactive manager so he seems to think that he's going to have less endless time and. Maybe he will, but he's letting games drift at the moment. Like the Nottingham Forest was a good comparison. There's been loads this season, and uh, another zero point below zero point five xG against Tottenham. I mean, it was the first time we conceded a goal at that stadium, and standards are slipping under Potter, and we have to sort of accept it at the moment. Obviously, we conceded uh, two goals in the game. Um, Skip scored from twenty-five yards against Kepa. And I think Kane scored from a sort of a corner where it it's an absolute Kane... classic. I mean, talk about Spurs a bit. It's an absolute classic Spurs set piece. I think they scored about fifteen of them this season. I mean, Kane flick onto the near post and Kane's there at the back post. I mean, yeah. I've seen that Spurs goal a hundred times before. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's funny because when well for the first goal, I I, I definitely think Kepa could have done better because it was directly at him. But the second goal was really strange to me because. Um, I can't remember who Mason Mount was marking for the sort of the header that got knocked on, but he was, you know, he's all over him, and you know he's he's holding him, he's jumping on him, he's using him as leverage to get up, and then he heads on and Kane scores, and I was just so surprised that he didn't even try to claim for a foul, and I just think that's where this team is at the moment, don't have that core, like they should be sprinting over to the ref. Even if it's not, <laughs> yeah, and just trying to, you know, claim that the goal shouldn't have stood, do their best to convince them. You know, he should have fallen on the floor. Everyone should have, you know, where's that team spirit? Exactly, Even, and, I, and I do think uh, that that comes from sorry. the top as well. That that, that yeah, does, yeah, 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 absolutely that does come from the top. And and I was watching the League Cup final actually between United and Newcastle, and, and obviously Ten Hag's had a fantastic start um, to his uh, time at Manchester United. But I, I just I loved the first corner. For that United won. Obviously, Newcastle starting Carrius, who hadn't played for two years. They had three guys right around Carrius in the six yard box and, you know, really getting stuck in. And I just think that sort of minor detail or, you know, elite game planning that the top managers have, and we've seen it before, obviously, we've seen it in Mourinho, you know, you can go down the list of, of Chelsea managers where we've seen that sort of thing before. Do you think if Potter's got to the League Cup final, not that, you know, he even could at the moment, but even if he had, do you think he, we'd be around Carrius? three people around him really getting stuck into him, making him nervous for the first corner. I don't think we would. No. I don't think he, he, he's more of a, a sort of a, <laughs> I don't know how to describe Potter, but he's, he's a more of a, a sort of an overall tactical guy. He, he, he strikes me as a perfect assistant manager. That's yeah. what he strikes me as someone who's great with tactics potentially, although we haven't seen it at Chelsea, but you know, I'm sure he talks a great game behind the scenes in terms of tactics, but in terms of an actual inspiring individual to lead you to league after league after league or cup wins or things like that. I just, I'm sorry. I've, I've, I don't see it at all. I, I don't think he's ever, ever going to be that. I mean, what, we're just lacking basics. I'm just going back to Spurs a little bit. It's like, you know, under their like assistant manager, Stellini, it's like they haven't got their manager there. They didn't play their well with that Spurs, but they just kind of bludgeoned their way to the win. And that's something we can learn from. They just, they look like a team. We just look completely disconnected. And I mean, I know that the squad's big and all that, but it's just, 
the Spurs didn't have to play well to beat us. They were also just going through the motions. I mean, I'm not saying they're there for the taking. But... I, I thought their spirit, their team spirit was better than ours as well on, yeah, on, definitely. on, on Sunday. Yeah. you know. And Chris makes a great point about Mount not claiming for the foul. Um, and, and I thought the breakdown that Ziek, you know, where he got sent off and, and came back, you see the Spurs players run over. They're there. They want to stick up for their guys. They want to fight for the, the game and, and things like that. Even Emerson Royale, obviously, he's, he's a massive idiot, but him <laughs> running across and, and barging Ziek in the back, you know, at least that's some sort of passion, you know, that, that's some sort of desire in, in that moment to really stick up for your, for your teammates and, and, and you know that desire translates. I, I strongly believe to to performances as well. So, and yeah, just, just speaking about that, something I've noticed creeping into our game. There's sort of like a hollow intensity and like a pettiness creeping into our game, especially like Ziyech. Like Ziyech wouldn't been doing that three months ago. It's unlike him to sort of get involved like that. And Mount is just running all over the pitch, a little bit like a headless chicken. I mean, I watched the game with you, Craig. You know, it's, you said it's good that he's trying, but he's just running about like, like putting his foot in, putting fouls in. There's no like, it's not like an actual like quite a hardcore of a team it's just like players are just desperate they just look desperate the team well, I just feel Mount at the moment obviously because he is in terrible form and and you know he's just doing what he knows best in terms of the way to try and get him back into it which is just trying his hardest you know I, I, I do honestly believe that yeah. I think Ziyech should have been sent off at that incident because he he pushed he pushed uh, Emerson Morale which I think would have been a yellow card but the ref actually came over to book him for the foul in the first place so he actually could have received two yellows but instead he was he did get a red and then he wasn't booked it was very strange i don't really understand what happened there. i mean ZH is, ZH is i don't want to get too go hard and hack him because his head's in paris right so like he's head somewhere else wherever he's going to go in the summer so it's just yeah. why play him and it goes back to the team selection he shouldn't have been on the pitch like yeah, I, he I should can't be think... yeah so, so with with that incident, I think it got explained on uh, by Dermot Gallagher, who's the the have, the person they have on Sky Sports News, explaining all the referees' decisions. And obviously, he's privy as well to the the monologue that goes on between the referee and the VAR room. And he said that the referee checked with him which individual it was that. Uh, committed the, the act of aggression because the linesman said someone came in he consulted his linesman and he said someone came in and, and threw a I think he's, the linesman said he threw a punch um, and then um, they neither of them were sure which guy it was so in that instance they're allowed to check with VAR to ask who it was in case of identity because he's going to pull out the red card. And what I thought was fascinating was that he obviously, the VAR has obviously seen the incident and knows that from the behind angle you can see that he hasn't actually touched his face so it's it's more of a push than a than a punch. So it goes as an act of aggression and not violent conduct under the rules. So he he says that he he tells him the guy's name, knowing that he's going to tell him in one minute that to go look at the monitor because it's not a red card. So we had that whole faff around for like six seven minutes, and instead of that, you know, just going to the VAR immediately, just the the referee can just say, "Look, I didn't really see what happened. Let the VAR decide." with the help of me at the monitor. And and then we avoid this whole situation of him going over to the linesman and then trying to see what they see on the pitch. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what they see on the pitch, does it? Because ultimately that situation, when they don't see it properly, neither neither the referee or the linesman, is officiated by the VAR, which I think is fine. And uh, and yeah, I, I found only, that can he, he can overturn. He can only overturn an incorrect, like a clear and obvious error, right? So does he have to give the red card to overturn it? 
Yeah, exactly. So he has to go through the motions of giving the red, which is why the fourth official was so quick to stop Ziyech walking off the pitch because he was right by the touchline. And um, all oh, right, fourth, yeah, yeah. Fourth official, if you see the clip, actually just immediately stops him because he's already heard the VAR say to him that it's not a red, and he wants him, or he, in his opinion, it's not violent conduct. And for the referee to go look at it, and obviously from the behind, there's only one angle. He, Ziek got really lucky in the sense that the all the angles look like he hits him, he he touches him in the face. Apart from the angle, one angle from behind him that it shows that he actually doesn't touch his face or barely touches his face. It's all hits his shoulder, and and that's the only reason he got off. But yeah, just thought it was a, a fascinating insight into what actually goes on, and also just the pantomime of VAR. Um, at the moment in its current state, which is obviously, you know, not great. Let's talk about Graham Potter. Um, the uh, decision looks like he'll he'll carry on, um, regardless of the results in the next two games, which obviously are really important because we've got Leeds at home, which is, I don't know, must win just seems a bit pointless saying it because every, every game is the <laughs> cup final. Um, and then obviously the Dortmund game, which is humongous. Um, well, that is actually an important game. Yeah. So um, what, what what do we think on Potter's position, Brady? Where do you see things at the moment and, and moving forward from here? Well, you're, sa- you're starting to sound like a man who knows he's on the plank. I mean, he's on the plank and there's a sword at his back. And he's looking down at the murky seas below and he sees this. The shark's circling, and he needs to talk his way out of it. And he just says, well, actually, we were talking about all or nothing Arsenal, and Arteta was, was really good after a while, and Pep thinks I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm decent as well. That's all we're getting from Potter. We're getting poor tactics and poorer press conferences. He didn't take my advice last week about stacking his uh, PR advisor at all. And it's just, I just want to ask you boys a question. Uh, in all seriousness, versus the top five this year, what do you think our XG is? Versus the top five. So Arsenal, City, United, Newcastle. Um, who's fifth? Um, Spurs, sorry. Spurs. Um, well, we so, had... Sorry, was, is it, was oh, the XG? So yeah. the non-penalty XG versus those five teams. No, non-penalty, I was going to say, because obviously United, we actually had like so 0.1 the XG. The non XG, like, okay, we could have done top six. Like, we've actually got some pretty decent XG versus Fulham. So you could say versus... I think we've accumulated like... 3.3 XG versus Fulham, but they're not top six side. So I'll no, just go with, I'll go with the top five at the moment. What do you think our combined non-penalty XG is over five games that we've played with them so, so far this season? Well, I think the only game we got any XG, uh, you know, or more than sort of 0.2 was Tottenham at home under Tuchel, right? So, okay, there's, okay, under Potter. Oh, okay. So, under, I mean, under Potter, okay. I, I think I'd be surprised if we're much over one and a half in, in sort of those... How many games is it? Five. Chris, what? Yeah, it's five games. Chris, what do you think? I think, yeah, I think around one point seven five. I think no, I think one point uh, one point two. I'll go for. It's, it's one point seven. So, oh, how about that? Well done, Chris, mate. Brownie points for you. But anyway, like that is shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. We're gen- we're generating a third of a goal in XG versus the top five. And I mean, I'm not going to even name him, but the former manager, I'll call him, because there's no point comparing anymore. Because you know it's going to break our hearts, but. We would always turn... That was so, so demoralising about the weekend. I mean, Chris, you said that we're going in not expecting much. Last year, we're going in and we just smashed Spurs 3-0, you move on. Like, 
we just we, we, I, was we're at, so, I was at that game last year. It was yeah, great. So the only teams that we're winning against are poor football teams. The last team we beat was Crystal Palace, and they are in a shocking run of form. They can't score a goal. So anyone good? Um, and by the way, I remember the end of that game. Do you remember, Chris? We were sort of hanging on at the end, yeah, and, we at the, on, yeah. and we were sort of, sort of the celebration was like a wins a wins a win, a wins a win. Let's move on. And uh, yeah. <laughs> we we didn't know that, that was the last win we got. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 one, it's one win at 11, four goals in 11. It's like, I mean, that's like, I can't even imagine. That's just like bottom of League Two standard. Yeah, I mean, I think Opta on their Twitter account today uh, released a stat and it said, in a run that started on November 6th, Chelsea have scored six goals across their last 15 games in all competitions, the fewest of any side in England's top four tiers. Over the same period, Manchester United have scored 50 goals to our six, 5-0, including 18 goals from Marcus Rashford alone. So Marcus Rashford has outscored Chelsea in the last four months by 3x. He, on his own, has scored three times more goals than us. I, I, I just find that unbelievable to even hear that. You, you can't even comprehend a stat like that. You know, since November 6th, we've got four goals from open play. We're, we're averaging a goal from open play per month of the season. I just, you know, these stats are just, it, when we're talking about Potter's job security, it's almost pointless because, you know, he's done enough to be, to be sacked. He's been useless, absolutely yeah. useless. And, and the reason he's still there is just unbeknown to all of us, I guess. I mean, touching on that in terms of the board, I mean, I don't know if you boys think, but the board need to start making like footballing decisions rather than business and culture decisions. It's obvious that like they like the way the Grand Potter works. I mean, I'm not going to use, you could say yes man or whatever, but they obviously like the way he works. I mean, Top Bowley goes down to training every Friday, have a good little chuckle. There's a, you know, a photographer taking pictures of him, all that. But they have got to start making footballing decisions. Like maybe you've got to hire someone who's a bit spiky. You don't really, maybe won't be slightly injured culture, but they're a good, good coach and they're going to make the team successful. There's no point in having someone who's really nice. Like again, Craig to web businesses. You can have a really nice manager, but if they're losing money every year, that's no good for the business. It just seems that they're thinking about it in terms of a they're doing everything but they're buying the players, they're sorting out the stadium, they're doing all that. But when it comes to actually the football, it's almost like they're ignoring it or they're just like, Oh, it'll be okay. They've got to look open their eyes and see that at the moment it's not happening and Potter looks like the way he's talking in press conferences now, he's almost like going through the motions a little bit that maybe he's almost expecting to get sacked. So, but yeah, they've got to start making footballing decisions for me and not this kind of, and just maybe adjust their thinking on the whole culture thing that they're cultivated, I think. I think the opposite. I think keeping him and not exposing um, a new manager to the situation the Potter's in is a good Probably a good position to be in for them because the situation that Potter's in is he's got one of the best squads in world football. And well, I think he's, he's got too many people at the moment, and it's impossible to keep everyone happy. I, I think I if he's going to go down, are unhappy, sorry, though. I don't think the no, players are unhappy. No, I don't because they're all playing and they're all having a great time. You know, not not winning games, unfortunately, but they're all playing. If he, if I was, I was talking about this earlier, actually, if he plays eleven players every week, I mean there's so many people missing out on football if 20 missing out it's, yeah it's it's unbelievable and he left what four people out of the squad 
Last, yeah, apparently uh, like, there, was a, there was a Matt Lord Telegraph piece, and apparently like a, some, there's a couple of players who were shocked they were left out. And so, but he's got to do that every week. And then we've got Kante and Pulisic coming back. So six people who think they're going to start are going to be leaving, are going to be left out of the squad every week. I mean, who on earth is going to sign up for that? I think, oh, I any, think man- we- any manager in world football would sign up for that. It's three months of that, and then you've got the best squad in, in, in the world, potentially. Well, that, that's going exactly into my point. Season. That's exactly my point. Really? So if you leave them in there and you say, look, at the end of the season, you think we, can, we might as well replace Potter. I think waiting at that point, I mean, assuming things don't get even worse. But I think you would leave them in and then replace them, and then you give someone a really optimal squad you have a summer with a, another cash injection. You get another couple of good players in. You remove quite a considerable amount of them. And then, and then you see where you're going with someone. And you have, they have a full preseason. I don't know about bringing someone in now. They're going to run to the same problems. And I think, I think now you, just, you bring in like just an intermediary to the summer. I mean, I, did, I just think we just need to try and get... I mean, we joke about going down. We just got to try and get to 40 points to try and get 50 points. I mean... We're just I mean, uh, looking at the fixture. We got some t- tough games coming up. I mean, if you're losing at home to Southampton, that's the best fixture on the ticker, and we lost that. So yeah. it's not looking. I'm not. I don't think we're going to go I mean, down. We've only got 31 points. Our form is relegation form. So oh if, yeah. If you looked at it, like points per game, Potter's like barely, barely over one. His whole Chelsea career now, even with the good start. So there's very little footballing reasons to keep him. Like, and also like. Can't he just like? I understand the situation, but why doesn't he just like choose a sixteen or a twenty that he's going to go with, and just and then just and then just do that? I mean, he can't please everyone. He's going to have to like get a bit of a stiff upper lip in this situation and just see it through because he can't spin plates and please everyone. So, well, yeah, as I said, he's going to have to leave six people out every week. So, best of luck to him. Let's talk about the squad and some of the people who, who have been making it. Um, this is the section of our pod where we uh, apply some of our mental thermometers um, to take a look at the temperature of some of the players who are on show. Although not always the players. We've had uh, the, the PR <laughs> advisor, the yeah. manager, the fans, and all sorts of people in the fridge and, and warming up and boiling hot. So No one is safe. No one, no is, one safe. is safe from it, the uh, temperature check. The Watch out. Yeah. Uh, Brady, you, you're going first this week. What, what have you got for us? What have you got? I mean, I always feel bad for the guy, but I haven't actually done it yet, so I've just got to put Graham Potter in the freezer. I mean, he's the CEO of Iceland Supermarket at the moment. I mean, he's just unbelievably bad. I mean, all, all three of Generis' dragons in Game of Thrones couldn't throw him out at the moment. He's deep tundra ice. <laughs> He's deep, deep tundra ice. They're going to take weeks to find him. They'll find him frozen in a thousand years, sort of thing. He's he's not helping his cause. His press conferences get worse and worse. Spurs was appalling. The team selection was appalling. And you can say about the squad, but on the pitch, whoever plays, and let's be honest, even before we had loads of players, we weren't looking good either. Like let's say, for instance, like Newcastle away when we had no players, he still we still look terrible. So in every phase of his Chelsea career other than the little honeymoon it's been not been good so he's fully in the freezer at the moment deep tundra that's it I had to do it I'm afraid sorry Graham <laughs> no need to apologise to him I don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, what, what else you got 
I've got a tepid. I'm for the tepid. I'm going to put the wing backs because at the moment they're looking like traditional left and right wing backs, and we don't need that. We need Reese James being Reese James up and down the wing, whipping those balls in those like David Beckham esque balls. And with Chile, the same thing. He's, they look like what they are. They both look like they're coming back from injury and they're playing a little bit safe. But systematically, like they're supposed to be one of them. It's supposed to be an inverted wing back, and one of them's like it's not happening at all. I can't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember a cross that um, Chile or Reece got in on Saturday at all. So we need that. Well, I mean, we had 16 crosses actually on Saturday, and we completed zero. I mean, yeah, just we just. They're just tepid at the moment, and un- under Tuchel, our win-backs were our strength. So we need to tack back into that, and I don't know if you need to change system or something like that. There's talks that, he, I don't know, he might go to 3-4-3 against Leeds, I don't know. But we need to get those boys Have, have you heard that? Have you heard that they're going back to potentially... A few rumblings on Twitter, yeah. Few oh, really? Like, that would yeah. be fantastic if we see that. Yeah. On, a few rumblings uh... on Twitter, but, I mean, that's Twitter, so that's the Wild West. But, yeah, I mean... I thought, have... he signed, I thought he signed a contract for this four-two-three-one, where you know, <laughs> he's, he, they take him off in a lorry if he's He seems to play loads of formations at the beginning, and then he he's packed it all in. We we were, we were sold a dream, weren't we? From in terms of uh, you know, I watched a few videos from from people I respect. Uh, talking about what Potter was going to be like, what style of manager he was. And, you know, we were sold a dream a bit in terms of his tactical fluidity. And he had all these formations that he played at Brighton, 3-4-3, 4-2-3-1, you know, all these pl- things about their build-up and their high press. And what we've seen is it's 4-2-3-1, get out there, <laughs> you know, sit in your mid-block and hope for the best. And, and it's just not what we were sold at all. I mean, I think the pressure, I think he's reluctant to change it because of the pressure. I think I said that earlier. Like, I think if he was under less pressure, he probably might be a bit more flexible. But I mean, at the moment, I don't think anyone would begrudge him changing system because we just look awful at the moment. So, um, yeah. So, moving on, warming up, I've got Kaladu Koulibaly. I think he's starting to turn his Chelsea career around a little bit. Um, I think he was very impressive against I'm Dortmund. Not, I'm not I'm sure not, about this one. A2. <laughs> I think I think he's doing well. I think I think he was good against Spurs. I mean, I think he was good, yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, it, he was seen as a liability before. I think he's been putting seven, te- seven, eight, ten out performances in. Hence, why he's warming up. And I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. I, I'm happy with our centre backs. I mean, even even we've we've heard now that Silva's going to be out for six weeks, which is obviously a nightmare. I think we're strong in that area. I mean, you got Fafana. Um, Chalabar, Koulibaly and um, Badia Shil. I'm happy with that. I think that's a very... Uh, I think we're very strong in that area. And we're strong defensively anyway. Like, letting in goals is not our issue. So, I'm happy with, um, let's say, the centre-back department. So, yeah, they're warming up for me. And uh, boiling hot. No, no, sorry. The only thing I could think of was the tea urn at Cobham, or the kettle. That's about the only thing boiling hot at Chelsea at the moment. Everything else I think we've we've removed yeah, we've removed boiling hot this week, I think. Yeah. But that's uh that's about it really. No boiling hot going on. I mean no one's gonna get anywhere near that. I mean I'm getting called out for cooler barley warming up, so it's tough. Tough it's yeah. tough out there. <laughs> All right, Craig, what have you got? So no warming up for me. Um I'm, I'm there's no one warming up on the team. No one has wow. improved wow. under Graham Potter. Since he's been at the club, not a single player looks better now than what I thought of them before. 
not a single player. So I'm I'm getting rid of boiling hot. I'm getting rid of warming up until Potter shapes up and improves a player. You won't hear those two sections from me. Freezing cold. I'm going with Kepper this week. That's harsh. That's <laughs> Kepper. Uh, I completely agree uh, with this. We 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 only faced you know eight shots in the game against Spurs. Um, hasn't, he, hasn't he got like best second uh, save percentage in the league? Yeah, but he's, no, also, not, he's I, also saved half. He's also saved like half of the shots of anyone who's like in the top bracket. So I mean, Craig, you've got quite the selection rubbish. of players to pick from. <laughs> so well, it, it, it was a top, it was a, maybe I'll do double freezing actually because I've lost a section. I'm definitely in the freezer is, is Kepper because if you let Oliver Skip score from 25 yards against you, you're in the freezer. No, no, no matter what. So and and you know it's it's a week by week take this. I do think Kepper's been okay this season. I don't think he's our answer long term in goal, but I do think he was he was he's been decent this season. But for Sunday's performance he's in the freezer next to Potter and whoever Chris puts in, he's there. And along with Jal Felix, he's in yes, the freezer as yes. well. Stick exactly. him in the freezer. Last week, he was rubbish against Southampton. I heard that you need Kai Havertz to unlock him. Well, Kai Havertz played 90 on Sunday and he was awful. Well, his worst game for Chelsea on, on, on Sunday. So, you know, people were, they like to get on, uh, you know, the hype train early with Felix and, and we definitely were on, were on board as well. When he signed, um, with it, with help the guy that he's playing ten, he's, he's playing wing ten, false nine, like he's like he's not yeah, exactly moving everyone ball. around. They're, they're moving everyone around, but yeah, I, I think you know he's he said back to back disappointing games. You, you can't say anything else apart from that. He's a back to back. Tell Craig's human at the moment. These are some harsh freezers, like <laughs> I, I, well, I can't. Put, I don't want to put Havertz in the freezer again. And yeah. Yeah, he's not even going to warm it up last week, didn't you? Havertz? <laughs> he was almost, uh, he's good off the bench, Havertz. He's good off the bench. He, <laughs> the, that's what he is. He's a last 10 minute player. Yeah. That, that's what he is. He's actually, maybe that's his, that's his thing because he does, he does press quite well. Yeah, he, you know? he's got energy when he comes on. I, I think he's quite lively off the bench. I, I, press, press, press it in. Exactly. If we were 1 0 <laughs> up in a game, I quite like him to come on for the last 10 because he's got a bit of pace as well. He can get him behind if and we're push win, up. If we're already winning. He's playing. He's literally playing up front. <laughs> if we're 3-0 <laughs> up, he's just to win the game in the first place. In these like... games, in my imagination, that, that we're 1-0 <laughs> up in the, in the last 10 minutes that haven't ever happened. Um, so we, we decided that the, the player who's playing up front to win as a game from a draw at 0-0 is actually his best position is to come on when we're winning. <laughs> to sure well, things I think we, we've all thought Havertz's best position on the bench for a long time, so uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's where he belongs. Um, tepid, I'll go with Raheem Sterling. I thought again, our best best attacker, lively, and and he's ready to score a goal. He, he you know he's trying his best. Last week against Southampton, he he could have scored twice. Um, he w- had our uh, one of our two shots on target on uh, yes, on correct Sunday. So who had it's the not... other one? Joe Felix. Felix. Yeah, Felix, Felix had a left-footed, left-footed drive from the edge of the box that hit. If he tried to exactly <laughs> aim it in the centre of his, the middle of his jumper, uh, he would have like nailed it perfectly. It was. It I, was heard absolutely... you, I heard. A, I heard a YouTube fan call uh, Fraser Forster the hologram in goal, and we couldn't even. <laughs> <hit him. laughs> we, we didn't test him. We didn't test him again. Just another game where we just uh, barely yeah. have any shots. So uh... the mighty Fraser Forster keeps a clean sheet against Chelsea. What? Yeah, we, I, what I think that then. My early shout for the weekend is Raheem Sterling to score. At home to oh Leeds on, on Saturday. Wow. That, that is yeah. my early shout. 
So he's tepid, but he's ready for my boiling hot next week. He, he, he's my boiling hot after he scores against Leeds on, on Saturday. I thought you said he was warming up last week, Sterling. So yeah, but I'm not doing a warming up. So he's warming up again, but he's sort of tepid. It's hard when we remove the sections to sort of, you know, get everyone exactly where we need. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Nice. Is that you? Is that you finished? That's me done, yeah. yeah section's okay. over. Well, I'm going to do mine. <laughs> if that's all right with you, Brady. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. Um, in the freezer, um, my main man, back in the freezer, Hakim Ziyech. Yeah, thank you. There's part of me that wished he was sent off. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? That's what I was just, thinking. I think that might have done us a favour, you know, would have just yeah. gone back and maybe counted Tottenham and could have um, <laughs> maybe not lost the game. but. Um, yeah, I don't know what he was doing for most of the game in the first half. And then to 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 actually do what he did, um, obviously, the, if you take the whole sort of macro scenario like of where we are, what we're trying to do, how important the game is, um, complete stupidity. And if he was sent off, it would have been a complete disgrace. Um, he should have been subbed at halftime as well. I don't know how he came out for the second half. But, uh, yeah, really, really poor. From Ziyech again, um, I, I fathom. I can't fathom why he's starting. I mean, he might start the second leg. I, I, my, the mind boggles with why he's even involved. Um, I actually put. He has um, to start against Dortmund, right? Because um, yeah, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. I know well, you can play Sterling and I mean, anyone um, who with any sanity would put Sterling on the right, Mudrick on the left, but with Grand Potter, right. you never know. Yeah. Well, you never know. Um, that sounds like a sensible thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, in the, I actually put F- Felix in the in the fridge. I went for Felix because he tried to tell everyone how to pronounce his name oh, uh, in the middle of the week. Um, but yeah, I thought he was uh, a good example of someone who doesn't want to put in the hard work going backwards. I, I thought he his positional play sort of when Tottenham were transitioning, he just seemed quite lazy. He didn't seem that interested, and I. It's, and think, actually, if you watch the, the skip goal, um, the, the ball comes out and he's with skip and then he kind of just like push, you know, gets in front of him. But he just gives up. Mm. Like, why doesn't he just go and push him in the back? I think <laughs> like, uh, this is one of the things that Simeone had an issue with him. And, and I think we've seen this with our press as well. It's looked a bit disorganized and he didn't really know what he was doing because he sort of floats around the pitch a bit. Um with, and mm. doesn't really aid us in constructing a, a very good press where everyone knows what they're doing because he sort of has that bit for a free roll. But yeah, I think you've seen a couple of things over the last couple of games as to why you know he really fell out with Simeone because I don't think he does exactly what he's supposed to do all the time on the pitch. Yeah, I'd, he maybe isn't a good player for away games. I don't know if that makes sense. Like we need to be like quite defensively strong, and he, he did, definitely feels like a. He he scored our only goal from open play this month. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think right. sorry in games where the the opposition's don't. I mean, West Ham is sat at the back. Like it's not. I mean, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Chris. Really I, 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 think I think in really games great. where we're on top, great. Like he's a bit of a luxury player. I think in games where it's going to be competitive, kind of backwards and forwards, going up and down the pitch, I think he's going to get lost, and he's not got the energy and the maybe the willing to to turn up like maybe Mountwood. Um. Uh, I did have two for, well, I had one warming up. Uh, Dennis Sicaria, I thought, looked um, formidable 
um, when he came on. I thought he looked really good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him. Um, he got 29 minutes. So, yeah, he's he's getting his minutes, and I think he looks really promising. He's so strong in the middle of the pitch, um, and I just feel like he should be starting the next game for us at Leeds um, yeah. with Enzo. I think Loftus-Cheek for me didn't do it. He just doesn't. There's a stark difference in the two personalities of them, and Sakari has to play. Really unfortunate that he got injured in that Fulham game because he was fantastic in it, and he was one of our best players. So really happy to see him back in. He looks just as good as he was um, before he left, and he was yeah, very involved. I think if you can pick him up for 20 million in the summer, I would, and just get rid of get rid of Ruben. I think that'd be a better better thing to do for me. I agree. They're they're the same age, I think, as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. And. I'm going for warmed up rather than warming up. Um, <laughs> What's going on this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had... Few curveballs this week. Make your own temperatures. Wesley Fofana had warming up last week, so now I think he's warmed up. But he, he, he was excellent. He was really good. So, yeah, Wesley Fofana, I think he's looking good. He's looking much improved from when I saw him before he got injured. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm much Very more confident. Happy. And as I said last week, he's looking fit as well. Like he came on for silver. I don't know what time he came on, but he played the long chunk of the game and he was, you know, I know Spurs won 2 0. They didn't really do anything in the game, Spurs. I thought we actually. You know, when they hit the post, well. I don't know if you noticed, it was a for, for final yeah. block. It was actually yeah, going yeah. in. So, yeah. I don't know if it was going in, but no. um, yeah, it, he, was, he was excellent and look forward to seeing more of him. Well, we'll see a lot more of him now. I think with Silver being injured, and maybe it's a case of, you know, playing him and giving him minutes and seeing what life's like without Silver will be a, a good viewpoint for us anyway, because he can't play every game going forward in next season. Okay, so we have a new section uh, in our pod uh, Chelsea Nostalgia. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna run it back um, and share some of our favourite games uh, at the Bridge as Blues fans because we've been to quite a lot over the years and um, now's now's a better time than ever to, to think about think about the good times. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll, uh, before we say the game, I do I, I do promise that we were going to do this section anyway when we started uh, thinking of this pod. We're not just trying to go back to the past in this terrible present. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so well, Brady, look, we're going to come to you this week for the for the nostalgia. You're gonna lovely. you're gonna give us give us some some great memories. Hopefully, what what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, Sunday the third of October, nineteen ninety nine. You probably boys don't know. Birthday. Yeah, my well, my birthday's the second of October, so this was the birthday oh, nice. weekend. Uh, I, would been, I would have been thirteen, probably a bit chubby at the time, scoffing down a couple of pies. So I was very happy. And uh, that day we played the. Uh, the dominating team at the time, obviously Manchester United, and the score was five uh, 0 So we absolutely slapped them. Do you boys know the score, the goal scorer for that day? Little quiz. Throw in. Is this Chris Sutton or Chris Sutton got the second? Do you, yeah. you, do any of the goal scorers, Craig at all? Do you remember any of them? Um. Yeah. So S- Sutton. Sutton got the, the second goal. Got the second one. Yeah. Is a header. Yeah, it was a looping um, header. A really nice yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he only scored like four goals that season. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's right. I think that might have been his only league goal. I could be wrong, but he barely scored any goals. Yeah. He's up there with Havertz. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember that goal really, really vividly, that Sutton. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, 
I actually, just, I actually sat at the second. I used to sit in the family section on the second row of that that, that end. So, um, but yeah, the first goal was Gus Poyer, literally. In the, Jody literally Morris. Like, Jody Morris scored the first. Yeah, Jody yes. Morris of the Trumpet Celebration. To try, to, to, Dan, Dan Petrescu, maybe. No, no, I don't think he played that day. Oh no, the Dan Petrescu assist. It was the Dan Dan Petrescu assist for Poyer. Yeah, so I yeah. Don't remember, it was um, the Manchester United goalkeeper that day. I believe was Taibi, and he was having an yeah, absolute yeah. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, he came out, Dan Pajescu clipped in the ball as he usually did, and Poirier got ahead of him. And then it was a Chris Sutton looping header, and then there was a there's a really nice shot. I saw it on watching on YouTube of like Fergie looking really worried because he was quite chill up in the stands. And then he runs down. <laughs> He's obviously gonna run down to the touchline and try and sort the troops out. But then um there, there was actually a Manchester United player sent off in the twenty first minute. Anyone know who that was? I wanna say like one of the defenders Probably. Dennis Wise, Dennis Wise basically went through. Him with a oh, he, pin- he, pinched, he pinched him or something, didn't he? No, Nicky yeah, Butt. it was uh, Nicky no. Butt. Nicky Butt. No, but no, Wise, yeah. Wise pinched his thigh. I remember. Yeah, it. yeah, Wise pinched his thigh, and, and Nicky Butt gave him a bit of a uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. MMA uh, sort of knee, <laughs> and uh, that was that. And there was a lot of tasty challenges that probably would have been red card these days of VAR. But yeah, it was a very like very fiery game. We got under their skin, so it was. Um, it was 2-0 at half-time, and then it was uh, Gus Poirier tapping at 54 minutes, and then um, Henning Berg, own goal. And then, <laughs> and then Jody Morris wrapped it up, and I don't know if you remember, he did that trumpet celebration. I don't know what that was all about. But, uh, I do remember that, yeah. He went through, uh, through um, Taibi's legs, and yeah, fire yeah. And actually, yeah, Man- Manchester United were unbeaten for 29 games before that. So, uh, yeah, epic day. I think we finished fifth that. We just m- missed out on the top four that year. Uh, finish fifth, and uh, it's good to know, you know, that we can score five goals in one game and not one get one goal in five, you know. So, <laughs> so it was a uh, yeah, good. It was a uh, five goals in a game, huh? Well, we can only dream. Yeah, I mean, it was right in the. I mean, days like that really cement. I just remember that weekend and just like remember like just really loving it and just knowing that I was a fan for life and just probably one of the best weekends of my life in terms of my birthday. So, yeah, proper nostalgia for that one. So, yeah. Lovely. Nice. Very good. I love the game. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was nice to have a little break, wasn't it? (laughs) Right, back to Leeds. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Premier League. The magic of the Premier League. Um, We have a football match to play on Saturday at three uh, o'clock against Leeds United. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you some stuff about Leeds. Go on, um, let's talk. Let's the, talk about Leeds. They, they got the second worst away record in the league. <laughs> they got, say that about Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, shipped twenty-three goals uh, yeah. away from home, which is the fourth most in the league, and cool. they've only won once away from home this season, which was at uh, Anfield. Um, oh, last yeah, minute winner right. out there. I think some of Somerville scored for the last minute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're they're not too clever on the road leads, um, but we're not so clever at home. Um, we failed to score in our last two home games, uh, and our, as you said, our last win was back in the middle of January against Palace. Um, this fixture's been kind to us um, since we sort of played in the last two seasons. So we've won both games, scored three goals in both those games, but we haven't kept a clean sheet in either. Uh, we actually won the last game at home thanks to a ninety plus four minute. Penalty. Um, 
that Jorginho put away, which was our second penalty. Tony Rudiger won that, if you remember. He, he yeah, bought he did. A penalty back in the glory days. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was, it was literally right on the edge of the air as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, it's most like Rafinha took him out for no reason. I remember. Um, well, what do we think going into this one, uh, Craig? What would what, you reckon? Leeds at home. Well, I think again, just the longer the week goes on, the more optimistic <laughs> you feel about what the game's going to look like on on Saturday. And and you know, as you know, we've been let down a number of times over the last few weeks, and we think that potentially we've had a whole week of training, um, and uh, you know, we might be better prepared. Although <laughs> we, since the Southampton defeat, we've had four days off in the last 10. So obviously yeah, we're the opposite Potter, of that hashtag. No days off, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Potter obviously doesn't think that, that we need to put in some work in the training ground, but I, I would disagree with that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it'll be a tough game. I think the, the manager Garcia that they've got in, you know, he, he's, he, he's a decent manager. You know, he used to manage Watford. I think Watford had caused us a few uh, problems when he was manager. And, um, you know, I, I I don't think it'll be an easy game by any stretch. They're they're again in terms of mentality, they're fighting for their lives at the bottom of the table, and we just don't have that mentality or intensity at the moment to match match them. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting uh, I'm not expecting good things on on Saturday, but hopefully we can uh, somehow find a way of of scoring a goal. That would be a great thing to happen because the last two times I've been to Stamford Bridge. I haven't seen a goal, so I would just love to see one. It's difficult to know what to expect. It's like, obviously, we're past the point of no return with Potter. But I think the first thing is he's got to pick players that, like, they keep talking about the future. He can't keep playing Hakim Ziyech. He's got to play players that he's going to play next season. So he's got to start Madueke, and he's got to start Mudrick. I mean, Mudrick looked good when he came on against Tottenham for the five minutes. I mean, I know they were hanging on and playing a deep block, but he put a couple of balls in and... Even Aubameyang, like Aubameyang, when he was in there, he actually went in for a header and we actually had someone in the box. I mean, I'm not saying we should start Aubameyang, but maybe like play for Fana or Aubameyang. Just need something a bit different. I mean, he'll likely play Havertz up front, but he's got to to freshen it up. I mean, I don't think he'll freshen it up with a new system. I don't think he'll gamble on that. Um, A 3-4-3, there's been obviously rumblings on that, like I said before on Twitter, but um, it'll be good if Cover was back because I know I was warming up with off his cheek a little while ago, but... Ruben is what he is. He's a 7 out of 10. Ever since that injury, the attacking spark's gone out of him. We need Cover fit. We need senior players fit for a game like this. So if Cover's fit, it'll be great. I know Kante, I'm not sure if he's going to get minutes. He might be back. But yeah, we just need a much better performance. But wherever it'll come, who knows? Yeah, I think the the key for us is, well, it's either going two ways, really. But we need to get the wing-backs involved more. So he either goes to a 3-4-3, and accepts that our best attacking players are actually like Chilwell and James as like inverted wing backs or, or however you want to play them. Or he does what Liverpool do and he goes, we'll just play three people in the middle who aren't really going to do much attacking and we'll literally just let the wing backs flood the pitch. <laughs> I, don't we'll cover... I don't think he's going to do that when we just spent 110 million on Enzo. It's like, yeah, you just be one of the guys in the middle that doesn't do anything. <laughs> well, not, then... not doesn't do anything, sorry, because they make the whole game tick because they have to push up. Yeah, but like, yeah, like none of their, they're not pushing all of their, they hold like two midfielders back, right? And yeah. Then, so he has to choose what he's going to do to get the best out of his win backs. If he's just going to leave them at the back and, you know, attack through some of the players who he, who 
who we think are best suited to playing like up, you know, on the wings up front. That's that's fine, but doesn't doesn't look like it's working. I'd say it's quite become quite predictable. I think it's I mean, quite easy to play against as like you just sit back and hmm. counter. We don't seem to know how to do anything. Yeah, if you sit back, we'll just pass it around in triangles for a bit, and then when you nick it, we've got no players at the back. So, I mean, also yeah. with, 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 the, with the squad set up, like you can, we've got four centre four centre backs ready to go, so you could play three centre backs quite easily and have one as a backup. That'd actually be better in terms of us like looking at the squad like that. Would actually keep them happier because obviously yeah. at the moment you can admit with Silver's fit, you can have three centre backs sitting on the sidelines. So, I think in the three four three, like even though Silver's injured now, I think Chalaber, Fafana, and Badisha yeah. would be a nice three as well. So, yeah, and you've got you've got Koulibaly as a backup, or put him in there, or I mean, yeah, so it will work well. But I, I, I don't think he's gonna. I think he would see it as like a big gamble if if he changed system and like we we got beat. I think that might be the nail in the coffin, maybe. But I don't know. I'm not sure why he's not changing it. But I, I think he'll definitely make the Dortmund game. I think so. I, I don't think this game on on Saturday is. I'm not expecting us to lose on Saturday, obviously, but I, I don't think it's not not. I don't think in his own mind he's reluctant to change system in this like crisis period. I'd say that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's yeah. That and then that's be reason why he's not changing it because obviously attacking wise we need a freshen up. So I'm not really sure. We could see the return of Kante. Yeah, he could, get minute, he could get minutes. Get I think that's another great reason to return to three four three. Um, if Kante's back, because yeah. we know that he's a monster in that formation, and him and Enzo as the double pivot there is that's something to really get excited about. Reese James at, at wing back, something to get excited about. You know, uh, I think that three four three. And also with Mount, obviously Mount's out of four Mounts played a lot with Chelsea career in a three four three and did well. Even even Havertz. I mean, there's players that are used to that system. I mean, that'll do for now. So. I mean, but like you said before, Craig, it might not help the wingers because obviously we bought pure wingers. So where, do, what is that, where does that leave? Well, I think it's going to leave them on the bench, right? It's going to leave Madueke and Mudrik on the bench. And, and you know, at the end of the day, that is <laughs> a small but price. I don't, I, don't think they can keep, I don't think they can keep benching Mudrik. I think, I think he's going to have to start starting because he was I so much. I don't he'll, think he'll, that would bench him, though. He can play in that sort of half 10. He's, he's good enough. I think so. He can. He definitely can be coached to play there um, and, and do well. I just he's never played there before, so that's why I would lean towards Mount, especially against a team like Dortmund. If we're going to do this for the Dortmund game, I wouldn't start Modric there. I would start Mason Mount. I mean, you think it's quite a good team to play, but you know, coming into Dortmund, you'd think the styles would be somewhat similar because Leeds are quite offensive and how they turn up, they're not going to sit. And um, all stand at the back, are they? So I would be excited about um, Mount Sterling and Jao Felix as the as the three in a three four three. I think that would look good. I, I I think that's too weak. Like I know they're just they're all just all like they're just not that strong. So they like hold the ball up. I know Mount's played there before. Sterling did he really play that that well in that position? I mean, didn't really see much of him under Tuchel, I guess, but. Didn't seem to be. I mean, he scored a he's few a goals. Top goal, top goal scorer, and yeah, I thought he's doing doing fine. I mean, he got asked to play false nine a couple of times as well. Yeah, under Tuchel. I think that's where he was playing mostly. To be fair, um, yeah, it's you know we'll see habits again. I'm sure. What what do we think in terms of um, the team then? Assuming that we're going to keep the same formation, who would you play? 
Um, I'd start for Fana and probably Koulibaly. I don't see why you drop Koulibaly at the moment. That's controversial. Well, I, mean, I think no, Adishil has got to be feel, feel pretty hard done by to get dropped for no reason and then just not selected again. Well, but that's, that, that, that comes for a lot of players in the squad. I mean, like, yeah. There's a lot of players in that bit in that boat. Uh, I mean, also, it makes no sense to start Koulibaly on Saturday when we've got to play Dortmund on Wednesday and Badishil yeah. can't play. Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean... He'll probably play the same. I mean, he could play. You want to, you want to see Zakaria. You don't want to see Ruben in the team. So if, if, I think you'll see Kukurea on uh, on Saturday. So I think it'll really? be. I don't think he'll drop James. But I think in order to get James further forward, I think we talked about this on the podcast previously, where we sort of focused on Kukurea. One of the exciting things about having him play that inverted role is he plays the three across the back with the two centre backs, and that allows Reese James to get for, further forward. Whereas on on you know, uh, Sunday we saw Chilwell looks good, you know, overlapping and all that. But when you lose an inverted player, you've got to have numbers in the middle. And Reese ended up playing more central and, and didn't really affect the game as much as he could do. So I think, uh, you know, Kukurea does really have the ability to unlock Reese James. And that's that's exciting for, for me because, you know, he's a much better player than Chilwell and, and a more important player for us as well. Who, yeah. What about mid, midfield? So we're going with Enzo and Zakaria. Yeah. Or, or or cover if he's fit. I don't know what's going on with cover. I mean, covers he was ill, so there's something going on with cover. I think. I think. He, well, rumours came out this week about him being really wanted by Pep at Manchester City. Yeah, there's something going on. When the players was randomly ill and that sort of thing, I, I, I'm always a bit suspicious about that sort of thing. I don't know what's going on, but covers. I think we could see cover leave in the summer. I'd be sad about that, but um, yeah. My, might might be one where I mean if he goes to Man City I think that's just awful I can handle Jorginho going to to Arsenal but Kovacic going to Man City I I just can't handle that I I just think that what a player he would be for Man City you know we're sort of wasting him a bit here and, and and I think he'd be unreal for City, so I'd be gutted to see him go. Yeah, I mean, Cover leaving the club before Loftus Cheek and Gallagher would just be outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Conor Gallagher has been absolutely iced as well. He hasn't played a minute over no. the last few games. Yeah, I thought he was doing. He, he seemed to be doing quite well there as well. Well, his energy yeah. is kind of nice as well, but we we just haven't found a way of including him at all. Let's have some score predictions, guys. Uh, Brady, what have you got? Um, oh, I don't even know. Chelsea one nil. I just don't know. We're not scoring many, and we're good defensively. So the only score I can go for at the moment is one 0 I can't really be more optimistic than that. One nil. Craig, Craig. I'll, I'll, I'll go with a hard fought one one. I'll go four three. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute cracker. Four three. I don't, I don't think I don't think we could score four goals. We could yeah, get okay. a few penalties, can't we? If Leeds went down to nine minutes, you've got to get the ball in the box to, to to get a penalty, don't you? In the opposition Actually, block. Good stat for you. Chelsea haven't conceded a penalty all season. Well, that's a, that is a good stat. We haven't had many penalties this season either, though. No. no, but we're the only team that hasn't conceded a penalty all season. Have we had a penalty under Graham Potter? Oh, AC yeah. Milan away. Jorginho, yeah. right? Jorginho, Man United. Jorginho, Man United. Yeah, that was our, that was our one, yeah. Yeah, not many pen. That's that's the problem. Jorginho was top scorer last year. That's where we got our goals from. Well, it's nice yeah. when you get the ball in the opposition box. You never know what might happen. <laughs> um, or three. 
Four three, let's go. Ever the dreamer, Chris. Got, got, got. I've got to write it, mate. I've got to write it. We have, we have to. <laughs> we can't do anything else. You've got to go to the game. So might as well uh, hope for the hope for the best. Um, right. We are now going to head to Brady. He's going to give us our our Leeds quiz question. Yeah, we've got our Leeds. I've got our Leeds related quiz. So this week it's quite a tough one. This one, I think. Can you name four players who play for both Chelsea and Leeds? In the Premier League era. So it's got to be Hasselbank, isn't it? Yeah, that's the first one. Hasselbank. Tick, three more. The rest are pretty tough. Michael Dubry. Well done. Well done, Chris. Wow, a, wow Chris, I'm impressed with that. That's a good show. One, two left. Now, one of these players um, went there in his later career. And to be honest, he actually played for Leeds in the lower league when they were like already gone down. And one moved from either Chelsea... Academy player and moved oh, to. Uh, I, I know the. He's the little oh, tiny midfielder. Yeah, yeah. Lewis Bell. Bell. Lewis Bates. Lewis Bates. He was up. This player was already mentioned in this pod. Lewis Bates might be one actually, but I didn't. He's not Chris the one. Sutton, but, no, he, he's already <laughs> mentioned in this pod. <laughs> Quick, Tony Brady, do you want to start the? Do you want to start the section again where you give us when you say five? <laughs> <laughs> Lewis I, mean, Bate, I, I just put it from a thing last minute. Oh, actually, um, Bate might not have ever played for us in, in the Premier League, right? Or like he might, we might not have ever played a he minute. He never for did it. play for us. He didn't play. No, he was sold yeah, off yeah. Yeah, two and a yeah. half million. Wasn't it? It's all right, Brady. Your section's safe. Your section's safe. Thanks, mate. No, we need two, right? Two yeah, more. We, so yeah. he's already been mentioned in this. Um, Podcast quite extensively. Oh, I, I, do, do you know what? I, I think I've got one. Is, is there like a ginger striker, redhead striker? Yeah, there was one. His name was, I'll get it now. Mikel Fussell. No, no, no. <laughs> He's an old, this is a very old player. I, it, this Ronnie. is Hopkins. Yeah, Hopkins, Hopkins is one. The third David of actually five. That's not one of the ones I've picked because I thought that'd be too tough, but well done. What's his first name? David you. Hopkins, I believe. David oh, Hopkins. David Thank Hopkins, you very yeah. much. I've been well done, mate. David Hopkins. Exactly. This is the sticker it's, book. It's actually just David Hopkins. No, no, yeah. no ins. Uh, he, he played for Chelsea for three years and then Leeds for three years. There's Very a player good. who did the trumpet celebration. Jody Morris. Jody Morris. Morris played for Leeds, went to Leeds and didn't do very well. And the kind of career went downhill after that. So, yeah. And then the last one, if you get it, it's me buying you a beer. I mean, it's a very tough How one. Many? I thought there were four. Yeah, but Craig added a David Hopkin in. He wasn't in. <laughs> Wait, so how There's actually five and potentially six, but we're... <laughs> well, there were ten in the article, cool. but some of them you never would have got. At him. Oh, so right. these are the most obvious. Oh, oh I see. right, okay. There's actually ten, but some you would be here all day, so... <laughs> This is a play we a player who scored. We talked about last week. He scored a hat trick against Tottenham in his day. Tour Andre Flo, Flo played for Leeds. Yes. I don't yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, he went there and he played. So uh, he just played a few games at the tail end of his career. So uh, there's been quite a few, but those were the ones. I mean, there was the infamous Vinnie Jones, but I didn't think you get that. So uh, yeah, definitely would not have got that. Quite a few players have played for Chelsea and Leeds. But yeah, obviously the, mo- the, the fam- most famous one is Jimmy Floyd. And um, yeah, so uh, quite a lot of crossover, actually.
Nice. Good quiz. Good quiz. Thank you. Craig, you've got something for us. What's what, what have you got? Well, it's a it's a it's a new section. Oh, <laughs> it's cool. we'll, today. we'll do this. We'll do this intermittently, but it's called guess the narrative. So this is guess the narrative section. Guess the narrative. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, you don't know what guess the narrative means so the, narrative the narrative is what what's being plugged by the media what's being plugged by the fans what's being said at the moment so right now it's you know potter is a terrible manager and we are awful and we're probably going to struggle to beat leeds on saturday so in five games time i want you to uh, sorry in four games time i want you to guess the narrative because in four games time uh... we've got a horrible horrible international break and that might be a time where you know you might want to sack a manager and get someone else in, but you know that's for you guys to decide. So we've got Leeds at home on Saturday, Dortmund at home on Tuesday, and then the following Saturday Leicester away, and then the following Saturday Everton at home. So those four games, four three home games and one away game. What is the narrative as after the five thirty kickoff against Everton on Saturday the eighteenth of March? What is the narrative, Brady? Grandpa's gone. I think. Wow, be, he's gone already. I think he'll be gone. I mean, it's he'll, be ready, he'll, he'll already be gone. Be wishful, or he'll be gone. Club, I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be. I don't think we'll be. I don't think we'll go through versus Dortmund, and I think that will be whatever the Leeds result is. I think that if uh, we go out to Dortmund, I think he'll be gone. The only thing that might save him is that I do see that we have five home games in the next six, but I think he'll be gone. And I think, yeah, all the reports I'm hearing on Twitter is that in the next two, three games are crucial. Basically, that if we stay in the Champions League, he'll keep his job. I think he'll be gone. So uh, after that Everton get, or, you know, by that time, you think we'll have a new manager? Well, I think there'll be an in- interim manager of some sort. But, nice. Um, I think that Potter will be gone, yeah. Chris, what, what are you saying? In, uh, when, when the full-time whistle blows against Everton on Saturday, what's the narrative amongst the Chelsea fans and the media? I think it'll probably be the same as it is now. I think people will be... I don't think Potter will be gone, necessarily, at that point. I still think they'll wait till the the summer to, to make that decision. But um, I think there'll be a case of maybe we may have won one or two games in that period, and people will be thinking, still not very good, but at least we're not losing and not scoring goals. So probably the same, I would say. I don't see the narrative changing too much in four games than it is already, unless he'd have to win all four of those games, like by you know three or four nil, to to change anyone's opinion that quickly. You know, I'll I'll give my guess as well uh, as to what's going to happen. It'd be fun to review this when when we do the pod post Everton to to see you know where 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 we're at and 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 what we thought. But I think we'll. Um, draw or beat Leeds on Saturday but I think the important game against Dortmund on that Tuesday I think we'll win I don't think Dortmund are very good and I think we will win that game and we will qualify for the next round and I think Leicester's a tough game again we might draw or something but I think we'll beat Everton at home so I think the narrative around Graham Potter heading into that international break will be things are looking up we've got a Champions League tie to look forward to we've got Villa at home when we get back from the international break. And I think the narrative around Chelsea Football Club will be looking a lot more rosy and a lot more positive come that time. Well, I think we've got a broad spectrum there. 
Because Brady yeah. said, I think we've covered all the bases. It's almost like we scripted There's it. Some people <laughs> dreaming and some people reading real the realists. I'm cut down on which one's which. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I've got a broad spectrum. We've got the optimism, pessimism, and somewhere in the middle, which is yeah, nice ones, nice spread. That kind of sums up the the group in general, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you. I hope, I hope you're right, Craig. But let's let's see how we are. See where we are. Yeah, I think Craig's got the the best and most optimistic viewpoint. So we'll we'll back yours to win. You can tell you two are brothers. Very optimistic. It's good to see. Good to see. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's that's all we've got time for today. Um, regardless of the result, we will be back next week. For more updates on all things ESCR, you can follow us on Twitter at Eat Sleep Chelsea and also on Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. And as always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening.